You're listening to the best of the Visualize You show. To celebrate my first year of podcasting, I'm counting down the top 30 episodes to celebrate all of my amazing guests and just how much fun I've had over the last 12 months. At number 19, money, mindset and powerful pivots when life just happens with Eowyn Levine. Welcome to the Visualize You podcast. I'm your host, Beth Hewitt. I'm a spiritual performance coach, helping you go from unfulfilled to passionately living your purpose. You'll learn how to create a crystal clear vision for your life so that you can change direction with confidence and have a career or start a business that is more in alignment with your true soul's calling. Each week on the show, I'll talk about topics such as the art of visualization, scripting, manifesting, and the law of attraction. And I'll bring you interviews with inspirational people who have taken that path already, so you can learn the practical skills that will help you do the same. Welcome everybody to this episode of Visualize You. I'm joined today by Eowyn Levine. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. It's a privilege to be here. So Eowyn is a money mentor, massage therapist and watermelon enthusiast with 12 plus years of small business administration under her belt. Eowyn is on a mission to help creatives build lasting financial stability that frees them up to do creative work without hustling anxiously for that next dollar. When she's not geeking out about money, Eowyn enjoys running, knitting, long hikes, of course, watermelon again, and perfectly scrambled eggs. I, I haven't had scrambled eggs for ages. I was uh, thinking about that before when I read that. Yeah. Oh, wow. I had but, them for breakfast this did morning. Did you really? I should have them more. I should invest <laughs> more in eggs. Um, so thank you for being here uh, today. Tell us a little bit about your journey so far, how you ended up doing what it is that you do today. Mm. So like you, I've been a career magpie and had so many diverse experiences. There are, of course, some threads that follow through. So I actually wanted to be a farmer when I grew up. So I went to college for liberal arts here in the States. I grew up in England, was born in the States and came back to the States for my university education and did liberal arts and partway through that had an experience where I spent some time growing vegetables and it changed my life and I fell in love and I for the next four or five years in my 20s was really devoted to learning regenerative agriculture and intending to become a farmer. Wow. And yeah, I know <laughs> nothing to do with massage or to do with money mentoring and coaching. So that has been a long time passion for me. So I'm 43 now. So that was always there in the background. And then life had, yeah, life had other plans. I've gone through multiple pivots and they've largely been about external life events and world events such as the Great Recession or the pandemic, but then also personal health. So it was personal health that really put the brakes on my farming aspirations. And I had a really bad back injury and had to sort of reassess. And that was when I started getting interested in business and especially small business and what it is to run a small business. And that had been in the back of my mind when I was learning to be a farmer. I was always interested in how do you make a living? How do you succeed financially while growing food in a way that doesn't just destroy the land that you're using to grow food? So that was a real 
just a real area of interest and excitement for me, how to combine sustainability and economics. And where does that passion for farming originate from? Yeah, it's a combination of things. It was just an experience inside of me of what it was like to just be outdoors growing food for people. Mm -hmm. And it's like it woke something up in me. There was just an excitement and a love and an interest and curiosity, like all of those things came together. So it was sort of a realization in the experience of itself. I didn't choose it for myself. I chose volunteer service in a community for special needs people. And within the context of that work, that was in a summer during my time at university. In the context of that work, they stuck me in the garden as part of my volunteer service. Having said that, though, when I was a kid, my parents always grew food. So when I was three years old, they had me out in the garden putting seeds in the ground. And then as a teenager, I was hauled out to the garden with less interest (laughs) to sort of pick some beans and weed some lettuce. So it was always there, but I didn't have that spark and that interest and that love for it. That sort of came a bit later on. But yeah, it was an internal experience of, oh, wow, what's this? So that was your passion. That was your drive. And that's where you wanted to head. But then, and then you say you had this injury. Yeah. So did that completely change in a moment, the direction as to where you were heading next? I mean, it was gradual in the sense that I was ignoring myself massively and pushing through what was a growing injury. And as a massage therapist, if I knew what I know now, I never would have gotten to the place that ended my farming career. But that's how life goes. And so it was gradual. It came on gradually, but I wasn't taking care of my body in the way that would have been necessary to manage what was going on. And so I did reach a point. It was just a hard stop where I was in so much pain that I just I gave up on the apprenticeship that I was doing and had to step away. I couldn't walk for two months. It was like this big, dramatic moment in my life where my body was like, hey, you haven't been listening to me. So welcome to your new reality. And yeah, so it was both. It came on slowly. The injury itself came on slowly. And then there was also this harsh moment where it was just like, okay, we've got other plans for you. And I think that happens to so many of us, doesn't it? Whether it's physical body or our mind, Mm -hmm. eventually, if we don't start listening to those whispers and things, then it just hits us upside the head one day and goes, Mm -hmm. I'm going to make you listen now. Absolutely. And I feel like that's so much of what inner work is just learning to get quiet enough to listen to those little voices and to acknowledge your needs and acknowledge your weaknesses. Honestly, Mm -hmm. for me, a huge part of it was I didn't want to be weak. I didn't want to have to take a break. I didn't want to renege on what I felt were my responsibilities and the commitments I'd made to show up and help in the context that I was learning. I put all of that before my own physical well-being and yeah, I just wasn't, I wasn't listening. I was being very driven and pigheaded. And, and that's come up a couple of times. It's definitely a lesson that I'm learning over time. How do you navigate from that point then? So you'd obviously got these dreams to go down this particular path and now you can't physically do that. How does that transform you and how do you move away from that? Mm. Uh, is that a, a gradual process or did you have to, was there something else you could naturally see yourself falling into or how did that play out for you? Yeah, so I think it was a combination of two things. One is a grieving process and a letting Mm -hmm. go process and just saying that it is what it is and it's not what I wanted, but just learning to let go on a certain level. So that was part of it. 
And then just, again, following some of my curiosity and my interest. So I was given an opportunity to work with my father's company, actually, which is at the time it was a B2B physical product company in the children's gift industry. Right. And I had worked there on and off just to make some extra cash. And when everything came crashing down because of my back injury, I asked him if there was some extra work so I could just get back on my feet. And he was like, no, but if you're interested in really getting involved, then you could really work for the company and do more than just admin and bookkeeping and that sort of thing, which is what I'd been doing previously. Mm-hmm. And it was that spark again of that interest in how do you run a company that is true to certain principles, but also is financially successful. So my father runs his company in that way as well. My father, he's been very involved in the arts for all his life and his companies have always funded the arts work that he's done. So it's a similar model where he's Mm -hmm. using the economic activity to build capital that he then uses for his nonprofit work. So we have different areas of interest. For him, it's the arts. For me, it's very much environmental sustainability and how do we grow food and work with nature in a sustainable way, but a similar principle. And so I got curious about what it would look like to work in the company and really learn how it functions and grow in that way and so that was the spark that led me on um, to working with the company. And how did you find working with your family because I've worked with my mum before and it does have its own yeah it does have its own kind of little things that come with it doesn't it so was anything as part of that experience that was a blessing or a curse perhaps? Yeah, so both. I think the blessing comes in that he innately trusted me and Uh he knew my skill set and my strengths. And so there's some freedom that comes with that. And but yeah, totally challenging because you get triggered in a way that you wouldn't in a regular professional context, right? Yeah, I know, exactly. And but I have to say it I learned so much and it was a great experience and I wouldn't trade it. But absolutely, yeah, there were challenges. Yeah. And did your mum play a part of that business as well? She definitely helped out. So at the beginning of that company, it grew very rapidly. And so there was a lot of sweat equity. There was a lot of time just in the garage packing boxes and doing whatever needed to be done. And even before I worked there full time when I was doing farming. So we were all in Northern California at that point. And we all pitched in as needed because it was growing so quickly. Mm-hmm. So she did help out. Absolutely. But more as a family member than as an employee of the company. Yeah. Yeah, she was teaching and uh, doing other community work as well. And, and the reason why I ask that, because obviously you, you do a lot of money mindset kind of work with the clients that you, you work with. Mm. And I'd, I always wonder about how our parents play into how we live our lives as an adult from a, mm. a money point of view. Yes. So I think it must have been quite nice having that entrepreneurial and your dad, who's obviously already got that business, that must have been quite helpful I certainly find it interesting that those dynamics that parents play in in children's lives and how that manifests later down the line do you see that in any of the work that you do definitely yeah in two major ways for the work with my clients no doubt like the imprints that we grow up with they just impact the decisions that we have Mm -hmm. often we have innate strengths that come with how we grew up and then we have challenges or we have things that we're actively trying to avoid yeah and that informs our choices as an adult so there's no question that it influences and for me I definitely 
I don't think twice before jumping into something new. I trust I can figure it out. So those aspects of being an entrepreneur, but I also grew up around a lot of chaos with money. And so a lot of my work has been learning to build systems and create stability around money. And that's my version of reacting Uh to what I grew up with is wanting things to be different and wanting them to be more stable and cohesive. And so I've actively sought that out for myself. And it's in that process that I've learned the skills and the systems that I share with others. And do you think it just comes with the territory of creatives are naturally more, a bit more messy and ideas and all these kind of things going on and therefore mm. don't necessarily have the structures in place? Yeah, I do. I do think that's part of it. I think generally people become artists, creatives, healers, these kinds of professions, they choose them out of an altruistic impulse Mm -hmm. or a love of what they do or a wish to be creative and express certain parts of themselves. So it's very different than going into a career with money and a professional trajectory in mind and often they tend to be self-employed rather than be in a corporate position or working for a company and being self-employed is implicitly more chaotic Mm -hmm. than working for a job and I think also often especially if you're in the arts or creative that even though you have to make a living and you have to run your business it's reluctantly and the money side of things is treated as a necessary evil and often people in these professions they tend to be left-leaning and there's very specific ideas about capitalism and the implications of it and that gets conflated with handling one's own money there's a Uh rejection of what they see as the evils of capitalism and the evils of too much money and that impact how they do things in their everyday lives and so I think there's a lot of things that play in Mm, yeah so interesting Mm. so let's go back so obviously you're now working within your dad's company how then do you get to become a massage yeah how do you get there so so once again like greater world events so this is when the great recession happened So essentially what happened is I trained in the company for a year. I moved to Amsterdam with the intention of managing the European expansion of the business, which was based here in the States. Mm -hmm. And that was all very exciting, but I moved there in 2008. And so within six months, the whole market started to contract, especially the gift industry. And when people are strapped for cash, the last thing they're doing is buying sweet little music boxes for their kids. There's more to be said there. It's not 100% true, but generally the market was contracting. And so it got to the point where it just wasn't sustainable to have me over there. It was no longer necessary. I had developed the relationship with the reps and the clients and the warehouse, like all the systems were set up. And so it really wasn't worth the cost Mm -hmm. of having me over there anymore for the company. And he went through a massive restructuring to figure out how to survive through the recession in 2009. So essentially my job ended. And so I was there sitting there again, just being like, hey, now what do I do with myself? And I, I actually had a dream and it was a strong sort of visual, which I know you'll appreciate. So I had a vision of a rural community that, was a wellness community but also a place focused around working with nature again so that Mm -hmm. theme and I had been interested in massage and holistic health for a long time and yeah so my vision was a residential community of some sort where people could come together and take care of themselves take time away from everyday life and just be so that was my vision and 
my way of working towards that vision was to go back to school. So I did the health coach training for Institute of Integrative Nutrition, me and 300 million other people. Mm-hmm. And I went to massage school and I did that here in New York City. I did both things here in New York City. So yeah, I moved and I went back to school and I worked my way through school by doing administration, accounts receivable management, bookkeeping yeah. for a few different companies. So again, building my small business management skills on the side. Yeah, that was my pivot and always led along by this vision, but then got really busy learning how to be a massage therapist and run my own business really for the first time. Wow. So I had freelance previously doing bookkeeping and business management but that's very different than running your own business and managing a private massage practice is definitely running your own business so I got pretty busy doing that I think it's interesting what you say about actually when you sometimes make these pivots or whenever whenever we make these pivots that you can do it alongside other things so you obviously were doing the freelancing to keep the income coming in and be able to do that because I think sometimes people think oh I have to do I have to go all in or I have to go dip my toe Mm -hmm. in a little bit and Mm -hmm. I think it's different for everybody isn't it but I think it certainly gives that stability Mm -hmm. and I don't think there is that template for everybody to follow I think it just Mm -hmm. depends on looking at your skills and experiences and seeing Mm -hmm. how that can support you during a particular time when you're trying to achieve something yeah yeah you make it work you look at what's available to you and you figure things out yeah absolutely and so this vision that you had for this community, did that play out how you thought it would? Or was it almost like a means to get you to where you're going next kind of thing? Mm. Yeah, again, I think it was both. So it's still there in the background for me now. Mm-hmm. It's changed. The vision has changed, but there are definitely similar features. And But I think I needed it to help me move forward Mm -hmm. and to help me have the courage to go back to school and try something new. It gave me something to be excited about and to move towards. And yeah, it's still there. I mean, there have been some major ups and downs in between. So during my massage practice, one, I lost my mother to cancer and she and I were very close. So that was something that really knocked me off my feet for a while. And then I went through my own health crisis. So I'd had chronic illness for a long time. And in 2016, I went through a major health crisis in myself that ended up in my own very own special cancer diagnosis. So I had major surgery and had to quit my massage practice for a while. So all the drama, I bring all the drama when possible. And the vision sort of faded into the background as I just coped Mm -hmm. with what life threw at me. And so I feel like while I wouldn't wish the damage of the pandemic on anybody, Being forced to quit my massage practice this year has given me a lot of time and space to just rest and reconnect with what I want and what I'm moving towards. And I feel like 2020 has offered me the chance to reignite that spark and connect again with that vision in a way that I hadn't been able to previously. I'd just been coping with life. Yeah, I I think for all of the bad things that have come in 2020, I think it has allowed people to stop and reset the button and think Mm -hmm. about actually what are the things that I do want to be doing from from now on in that's the positive and it's a huge privilege obviously there's so many people who haven't had that space as a result of the pandemic Mm -hmm. things have gotten so much harder for them yeah so I've really appreciated that obviously within the pandemic then you can't do you can't do massage you can't do the things so like everybody just came to a a halt all of a sudden is it just literally overnight like everybody else 
And again, in in such a dramatic fashion, because I live in New York City Mm -hmm. and the virus just raged. There was three places where it was really awful at the beginning. There was Italy, China, obviously, but in terms of Europe and the States, there was Italy, Spain and the US, specifically in New York. So March, April, May here were very intense and very difficult and they shut everything down. And yeah, it was only the beginning of July uh, that massage could start again and it took me a couple of months to really feel ready to get back into it yeah so once again something's happened yeah that you weren't expecting there's a theme coming up I know um, yes and so it has a big life lesson then throughout of this these times that have allow you so should anything god forbid happen again that mm. puts you in that position but do you feel there's some kind of life lesson that has, has come out throughout all of these various pivots Yeah, I think anytime you go through something difficult or you go through something where you just, you lose your perceived control of your Mm -hmm. life. I I do genuinely believe that any control that we think we have in life is to do with perception more than anything. I think everything that we experience in life is a gift. I think it challenges you to really trust the universe Mm -hmm. and trust your community, trust your strength and your resilience, trust that you can go through sorrow and discomfort and come out the other side of it so you experience that over and over again and you learn there's a certain equanimity that's available to you yeah so when I went through my cancer diagnosis in 2016 there were a couple of moments where my husband was concerned about my lack of reaction (laughs) like it was as if I was being too competent or too calm or something and Uh I I understand that he was expecting more of a breakdown on my part but I, I feel like when you go through these massive dramatic periods in your life you do gain a certain ability to float and just be and cope with what you need to cope with yeah because you've done that already yeah I I feel the same about resilience as well mm. and I've questioned myself sometimes because I thought is that a natural reaction <laughs> I think when you've been through things and you've come through things multiple times yeah. your resilience factor gets so much stronger and it mm. is almost like it's not like you're bulletproof or anything but you, you certainly feel like well I've weathered this storm before yeah. Yeah, it's going to be okay. There's some, this is happening for a reason. And I think there's something about leaning into that, like you say, about trusting the universe and just leaning in and surrendering, almost mm-hmm. offering it up. And, and yeah. some things that are not within our control. And I think we need to be okay with that sometimes and just trust that it will be okay. Absolutely. And I think it's also an opportunity to realize that we choose how we experience things as well. Mm-hmm. So our degree of happiness and contentment and inspiration and all of it is not only due to outside circumstances. It's about what we choose for ourselves and the intentions that we put forward and how we navigate our everyday. We have a lot of choice regardless of what's mm-hmm. going on externally. Hi, listener. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I thought we'd just pause a moment to let you know that there is so much waiting for you at my website, bethhewitt.com, where you can access free downloads, access the Visualize You free Facebook community where I go live every single week. Plus, you can learn about the power of scripting, 
access the visualization vault and find out more about my membership visualize and thrive so go check it out and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast head to bethhewitt.com and i can't wait to connect with you real soon now let's get on with the show the pandemic hits you stop doing the massage therapy and i know this is how we met is obviously throughout the summer mm. we were both on a podcast accelerator class with the the wonderful Jacqueline Malone and Fanoush Tarobi where we met and it's been a pleasure to get to know you and many mm. other podcasters over that period but where did the podcast come for you and, and your new venture and what it is that you, you're doing now so partly it came because I'm just a podcast lover and have mm-hmm. listened to them a lot in the past six years or so and they've had a huge impact on me the ones that I've listened to they've been really important just some really potent internal shifts have come about because of listening to podcasts for me. So I've really experienced the potential there to help people and to reach people, which is exciting. Also, I think I'm trying to balance out the massage work that I still do. So I love massage and I appreciate what it offers people. And I love what it offers and my understanding of what it is and what people can experience during a massage has shifted over the years. But one of the things that I really believe is that if you are given a welcoming, nurturing space and offered rhythmical touch, like on its most basic level, yes, I can help with your back pain or your jaw pain or your neck pain or something like that. But the experience nowadays of just being quiet in a nurturing environment and having time for yourself to just feel what you need to feel, think what you need to think, just rest and offer your body love via asking for help from another person. Mm -hmm. I think there's real power in that. And so I'm very intentional when clients come in that I hold space for them. We chat at the beginning. So when they first come in, I find out what they want from the session. And then I'm pretty intentional about not speaking with them throughout. Obviously, if they want to talk, we talk, but that usually never lasts beyond the first 10 or 15 minutes. And so I'm intentionally quiet and holding space for other people. And there's interaction on a nonverbal level, but I find myself missing engaging with people Uh and missing connecting with other professionals. It can be quite isolating when you work in private practice in a healing profession. And so I'm excited about developing the relationships with people such as with you and learning about people and sharing and having conversations. And so that's really attractive to me as well. And then the third reason is simply marketing for this new business that I'm building. So I see the power of podcasting as a marketing tool and I appreciate it. And so I'm trying it out. Exciting. I know. Isn't it exciting what we're doing? It is. Really is. I'm, I'm so enjoyed. I'm so glad that you're enjoying your journey as well. Whatever you want to call it, what's the thing that's always been calling you and why do you do the work that you do? Mm. So I think some version of service is what has always called to me. And I had a lot of trouble figuring out what I wanted to do in life and what I wanted to be when I grew up. And Mm -hmm. I, despite doing really well on my A-levels, I had all the grades. I could have gone to all the best places. I ended up going to a tiny liberal arts college in Annapolis, Maryland, where we essentially talked about the great ideas of Western culture for four years. And I didn't have to choose what I wanted to study or what I wanted to be or anything. And it was in that context that I realized that I was interested in what led to people's well-being and their health internally and externally. And that was partly through my own health challenges. I was seeking wellness. And then partly just thinking about 
morality and philosophy and all these other big ideas. So I was thinking about these questions of what does it mean to be a good person and lead a good life and do good in the world at the same time as having that experience of being put in the garden Mm -hmm. and this experience of growing vegetables in the context of regenerative agriculture. So those two develop together. So I think this question of what does it mean to serve both human beings and society and the world as a whole, and what does it mean to work with nature holding that ideal of serving and doing good in the world. And I think those two questions have really been a theme throughout my life. And the question of working with money and small business and how to navigate building capital and using it for good, that's a pragmatic question that has come out of my interest in serving. Mm-hmm. And I love now what you're doing with the the, the new focus and community and podcast. Do you want to say a little bit more about the work that you do around that? So it's super new. My vision is to teach the tools and the attitude and the skills and the systems around building financial stability. So both in one's business and in one's personal life. And my vision is to do that through courses and then to have a membership community component because you don't change your financial life in three months. You change your financial life in 10 years. Mm -hmm. So that's my ultimate vision where I'm beginning is with the podcast, a blog, and then coaching one-on-one with people so that I get more experience seeing exactly how I can help folks. And I learn to share what I've learned in my life. So initially I've been doing that for free and I've just started charging for the coaching as I've got more experience under my belt. So it's all super new, but that's what I've been doing. I've been doing the one-on-one coaching and the content creation and beginning the seeds of the community as well, which is free right now. And I think there was always going to be some free version of the community because when people are first having that moment of, Ugh, my money is such a mess. I need help. What am I going to do? Where do I start? I think it's really, it's the right thing to do to have a lot of free resources Mm -hmm. and support out there so that people can begin their journey of how do I figure this out for myself? And that's, that's so generous. But I think it also then allows people to then when they do need to invest in their wealth education, Mm -hmm. they've got a bit of a grounding of actually they've sorted some of the the initial things out. So that's really great. So one of the things that I like to ask the guests is around their superpowers, Mm. because I feel like everybody's got skills and experiences. And I I think as human beings, we're not always very good at shouting about the things that we're (laughs) really good at. So if somebody was to ask you today what your superpower was, what would Mm. that be? So I'm choosing two superpowers. Okay. (laughs) One is holding space for people. So I mentioned that in the context of massage work, but I've discovered that I'm able to hold supportive, non-judgmental space for people to learn and grow within. So that's one of them. And the other is about strategy and execution. So someone is like, I've been thinking about doing this. And within the next five minutes, I'm like, all right, here's your five-year plan. (laughs) I've got it all mapped out for them. So I don't know what you would call that, but a real excitement about how to get things done and the steps you want to take to move through those. It's like having that helicopter view. Yes. Of the roadmap for somebody. Um, Yeah. I think that's so important because I think sometimes when you're in the detail, when you're that person in the detail of it, Mm. you can't necessarily see that big picture. So I think Mm. for you to be able to, first of all, hold that space for somebody to be Mm. non-judgmental, but then actually to help them to create that vision, that's that's a really powerful and amazing superpower. Can I ask, do you talk about what yours is? Have you already talked about that? 
I think my superpowers are, I'm definitely intuitive. I sense and hear almost things that aren't being said in a lot of different people. And I think mm-hmm. my other superpower is that I'm just default positivity, I think. I think I haven't always been that way, but definitely if something bad happens, I'm instantly there and um, I don't stay I don't stay down for, for very long at all. Mm. So um, I'd That's lo- a big one. Yeah, I'd love to be able to help more people to be able to find that default button a, a lot quicker. So yeah. yeah. Thank you for asking that. No, I had a guest ask me that before. One of the things when I was listening to one of your podcasts today was this idea of the ability to write and use pen and paper when thinking about money. And I've always got a pen in my hand. It's just part of who I am. I don't like lined paper because I feel mm. hemmed in. I just like to be able to scribble and do whatever mm-hmm. I want to do. So I just found that really interesting. That's something that you see as something that can be really beneficial when you're looking at wealth and things like that yeah I think when we do things on paper rather than via a screen we just engage differently with it neurologically Mm -hmm. we engage differently with it and I work with so many people money has been stressful and chaotic and difficult yeah it's an area that they've avoided they feel shame around and so harnessing that aspect it's When you sit down with pen and paper, you're a lot more present and Mm -hmm. far less likely to be distracted. And it lays down pathways in your brain in a different way than when you type on a screen. And you can use all the help you can get. So money is a difficult subject, right? Mm -hmm. It has to do with our freedoms. It has to do with our status in society. It has to do with all these emotional things inside of us. It's a difficult area to work on. I feel like death, sex and money. There's a podcast called death, sex and money or money death. I don't know. I think it's death, sex and money. It's wonderful. Anna Sale. It's I think it's through NPR here in the States, but she picked it because those are the three topics that are hardest to deal with and hardest to talk about. So money is a difficult topic and we can use all the help we can get. And I also think that having visual prompts to see where you are on your goals is super helpful. So I'm a real fan of coloring sheets and trackers that we can look at and see the progress that we've made over time. So I think needing all the help we can get, accessing a centering process that we go through when we have pen and paper, and then being able to externalize and envision the progress that we're making with our money, all three of those things are really powerful. I absolutely agree. So every Sunday, and I've done this for a long time now, I will set out, not necessarily money, but I'll set out the three things that I want to focus on. I'll list the things that I'm grateful for and then I'll write and in as much detail as possible. And I think it just set off in mm-hmm. motion all these things in your mind yeah. and you can really start to bring that vision to life. So I really love how you approach it from a wealth angle because although there'll be times when I've maybe journaling about income and, and various things, I've never thought about doing all of my mm-hmm. wealth kind of stuff Mm, finances in that way so I think that was a bit of a oh actually that's the way my brain works anyway then why shouldn't I do more of that kind of thing so that was really helpful so as entrepreneurs then we all have a platform of choice particular strategies that help us get out there into the world obviously you've got your podcast you've got your brand new business but what's working for you Mm. right now yeah so I'll start with my massage practice I'm eight years into that And the two things that have been most effective for me, one is just word of mouth, which is about showing up and doing a good job. And then people naturally share with the people that they're close to. So word of mouth is always so powerful. 
The other thing is my website. I put a lot of time and effort into the SEO specifically for a local business. And I get several new clients a month from my website mm. without having to do anything now that I've put the work in. So those are the two things in my massage practice that I rely on the most and have been most successful over the years. For Plumtree Money, it's all very new, obviously. But yes, the podcast is what I'm excited about. And I'm interested as much in supporting other people's businesses as growing my own. And I believe generally in life that we are supported when we support others. Mm -hmm. And so I really like the podcast as a way to do that. And so that's really the main focus right now. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but I've been quite surprised, I think, by the numbers because I think, so I was a blogger for a long time and I know Mm. that you've got a blog on the site and I think you put a blog out there and there's a lot of effort in sharing that and Mm. getting people to come. But Mm. I think with a podcast, it just seems a lot more organic and that people are finding you. Yeah. Do you feel the same? I do. And I remember an offhand comment that Farnoosh in the course that we did, the podcast accelerator, she mentioned that people generally get excited about podcasts. Mm. And I think that's something that factors in as well. I think people are like, oh, I'll check that out. And either I feel like people are either podcast people or they're not. And if you're a podcast person and someone in your community, in the people that you know, people you follow on social media, if a podcast pops up, they're curious and they're excited and they're motivated to check it out in a way that they might not be a blog post. Yeah. And I feel like it doesn't infringe on people's day as much. So you could be listening to it on the train or in the car Mm. or wherever. And I think with a blog post or something else or a video on YouTube, Mm. it's almost you have to stop what you're doing a little bit. It's got a lot of benefit so mm. I'm really excited for your podcast journey as likewise my own as well. <laughs> <laughs> so what's next for you what do you visualize for Eowyn in the future so I love the idea of location independence and that's partly because my husband and I are very different people so he's very tied to the city he's a long-time classical musician mm-hmm. so city life is important to him and his work And rural life is important to me and my vision for the future. So I like the idea of a business that allows me location freedom. So building Plumtree Money is about serving the people I help and working towards location freedom for myself. And as I mentioned, the membership community and courses are what I have in mind. I'm using this fantastic platform called Mighty Networks, which I really love, founded by a woman. And it's a very comprehensive platform where you can offer both paid memberships and courses and free community all in one. You can embed media and it all happens away from the distractions of Facebook, which I like. So I'm using Mighty Networks and working towards building that up. And in the long term, I have my little paws ready to get a big piece (laughs) of land and nurture it and develop it and build community and an artist residence and lots more. I love that. I love all of Mm. that. That sounds really exciting. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Where can people find out more about you and your, your products and services? So you can find me under the name Plum Tree Money, either at my website of the same name or my Instagram handle of the same name. And yeah, send me your questions, your comments, your everythings, and I'd love to chat. Great stuff. And I'll put everything in the show notes for today's show as well. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. 
Okay, so that's all for today. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have any aha moments, tag me in your social media stories and please, please, please leave me a review on iTunes. It'll really help me out. Until next time, remember to visualize you.